This is the Lady Landlords Podcast, and I am your host, Becky Nova. This podcast is for women looking to achieve financial independence through real estate investing. Let's get this episode going. Are you afraid to have rental properties because of all the horror stories that you hear about in Lady Landlords? Well, today I'm going to be sharing my tenant horror stories with you. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Lady Landlords Podcast. I am your founder and host of this podcast, Becky Nova. Thanks so much for joining me today. I sometimes reading through those posts within our Facebook group, I just love seeing the situations that people are going through and how they have handled things. So I thought this would be a great opportunity to kind of share now my own tenant horror stories. Now, if you are listening to the podcast versus watching us over on our YouTube channel, I will say you are missing the amazing view behind me. I am actually recording this episode over at the pool down in Florida. Some of you may know that I have been going on a tour around Florida for the past five, six weeks now. And it's really been something for me that reminds me why I'm even in real estate investing. That idea of having those rental properties for financial freedom and really just my time freedom. So I really enjoy the fact that I get to be doing this episode today from the pool. But back now talking about our tenants. So one of the first tenant stories that I want to share with you is about how sometimes even the best screening process that you can have and finding the best, most qualified tenant will still lead to a disaster. Here's what happened with this tenant. We had a great tenant apply for a property, looked great on paper. We're talking six-figure salary, 800 credit score, absolutely surpassed all the qualifications that I needed for that. Great references, was able to verify um, all the information by talking to his previous landlord, talking to his employer, everything checked out. And we were so excited. We have this one rental property that we just, it's our bad luck property. I just don't know how else to explain it. We always have a struggle with the tenant there. We always have a struggle with the actual apartment itself. I don't know what it is. I think I need to sage that apartment. But tenant now goes to move in and that's the apartment that he was going to move into. Now on day one that he moved in, we get a call from one of the other tenants in the building saying, hey, just so you know, there's a whole bunch of damage in the hallway and it wasn't for me. (laughs) She goes, I don't know who did it, but I just want to make sure you know that I wasn't the one that did the damage. So we went over and took a look and realized that the new tenant moving in had caused a ton of damage moving his boxes and structure in. So we went and kind of talked to him. He was very open and upfront about stating that it was the damage that he did. He asked if he could use his security deposit to fix the damage. And I said, well, no, the security damage is for the security deposit is for the damage you do when you move out of the property, not when you move into the property. I said, you know, that's going to eat up your entire security deposit just here on day one. Well, we don't have anything then to protect us for the next year and then I'll move out. So then his argument became, and I will never forget this, the argument then became that he rented the apartment. Therefore, he's not responsible for damage in the hallway because he didn't rent the hallway. (laughs) My husband and I were dumbfounded trying to figure out how this man thought that he was going to be able to get into the apartment without going through the stairwell and hallway. But I thought it was a very intriguing and um, intriguing argument for sure. Of course, we kind of settled on, nope, 
you rented the premise, right? Which includes, and it states in my lease also that the hallway is a part of that, that he rented. So we agreed um, that he would be make payments and then he would pay us back for that. But that should have been my sign that things were not going to go great with this tenant. Um, besides the random things that kind of happened throughout that year, he ended up moving and terminating his lease early, which was fantastic. I was perfectly okay with this. But when we went then to look at the apartment to get it ready now for our next tenant, we noticed that everything four feet and below had changed since our last quarterly inspection. All of the walls four feet and below now had drawings on it. Apparently, when he decided he was going to leave, he allowed his children to use our walls instead of paper for their coloring activity. <laughs> so we then had to go back to this whole thing again with him, with the security deposit and other damage that he had done. Um, and they, it really left the place a mess. I remember I took probably 80, 90 different pictures of the condition that he left it in, which really helped me because we ended up in a spot where we not only had to take the security deposit, but he also owed us for damage. So we ended up in small claims. And I'm sure there are people out there that have seen worse things and have had tenants leave things in absolutely worse condition than what we had had. But I remember when I handed over those 80 pictures to, those, to that judge in that small claims courtroom, he literally looked through most of the pictures and then was like, Ugh, I'm disgusted. I don't even want to see the rest. So it was really nice to have that judge understand what we as landlords were going through. And it was great. We were able to collect with that tenant, but that was definitely our worst move out that we had had. Now, second story that I want to share with you today is about emotional support animals. So we all know that support, that you have your support dogs and your service dogs. And then you also have your ESAs, your emotional support animals. Very big difference between the two of them, but they both need to be respected and have our due diligence as landlords on both conditions. So now that person moved out, right? That guy moved out with his kids. We flipped the apartment, got everything back up in order. It is now right in March, 2020, which I'm sure is a month that every one of us remembers. So now COVID is kind of starting to ramp up, especially with this property as in New York. We really want to get this place rented again because we have no idea what's going to happen at this point. So we had a couple applicants come through. Nobody was really right until we met this couple. Couple, they seemed great. They, same thing, we went through their application process. They were looking to move and they had a couple days to do so. We were happy to move fast on the screening process and they did everything we had asked for them. Made sure we got their, their application, they did immediately. Gave us all the references, gave us all the documentation that we needed. We're really, really on point. So we decided to move forward with them went through our lease, signed it, and then said, and took our security deposit and first month's rent. Then we said, okay, great. We'll see you in a couple of days for when you move in. So all of a sudden now on move-in day, what I picture on move-in day would be both people moving in, probably a truck, a bunch of boxes. Well, that's not what we got. It was only the female from the couple. It was only her that came. And in her car, she had no boxes, had nothing, so we said, okay, let's go upstairs and go do our walkthrough before handing over the keys and our move-in checklist. And when we go, she gets out of the car and she grabs like a folder. Now, I personally, especially looking at my husband, I would have been giving us boxes. I would have been like, yep, honey, you're a big, strong man. You're taking this. Okay, Becky, you're taking this box. I would have made us take things in. 
She didn't. She just had an envelope with us. We go upstairs into the apartment, walk through everything, make sure to take pictures, make sure to go through our move-in checklist. Then I take my keys out and I'm like, okay, great. You know, this is the last thing. And for some reason, some reason, the universe had me put those keys on a windowsill, not in her hand. Then she made a comment saying, you know, the reason the boyfriend didn't come is he was really embarrassed to talk to us about those types of things, about something, and really kind of threw her under the bus to do this. And she explained to us that he had an animal that helped with a condition that he has. So I said, okay, well, you know, I need to kind of know some more information. Here we are at move-in, and this is the first time I'm hearing about this. She kept skirting around the word. She kept skirting around um, what type of animal it was, what type of service it provided, the questions that we as landlords actually can ask and need to know the answers to. So she originally gave me a very different um, select name for a breed of a dog. And I grew up in a dog family and I automatically was like, okay, that's a pit bull. Now there are nothing, nothing wrong with pit bulls, um, but insurance seems to find issues with pit bulls. Also, we are talking about a city apartment, right? Up multiple sets of stairs, multiple tenants in this property. And also in New York, remember that we have very small apartments. This was probably a 750 square foot apartment. Um, it also, it's owner occupied, which means that it is not a property that ESEAs have to be accepted in because it is one of the conditions to the FHA, to the Federal Housing Act. So those were all things that we had to kind of take into consideration. But now I'm sitting here being like, oh my God, this woman is supposed to move in today. Now we have this bomb kind of dropped on us. I still need to look at this paperwork that she gave me, evaluate that, decide what we're going to kind of do. So I went, I said to her, okay, I just got to make a few phone calls and sort things out. I'll give you a call back shortly. I went and on Saturday morning, I ended up calling my real estate attorney, <laughs> Jay Zivner, at 9 a.m. And he actually answered my phone. And it was fantastic since we'd had that relationship and had done deals together before that he was able to take my call that Saturday morning and really walk me through what I needed to be able to do. So when I explained to her that there were certain conditions that unfortunately just we were not able to move forward. One, the, fa the paperwork, actually, it was fake working in the medical field. I do know what certain licensing numbers look like. Um, I was able to make calls based on the information she gave us, and it was all fabricated. Um, she had also lied during our pre-screening questionnaire and actually at the signing of the lease and on their application about this, not allowing us to do our due diligence. Um, once again, it was an owner-occupied property, so it was not necessarily something that we had to accept an emotional support animal. I then got a response, not only from her attorney now at 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning, but she actually responded back by sending me an email that she was going to call the police on us to force the police to give her the keys to the apartment so then that way they can move in. And now that they knew that COVID was happening that, and New York had an eviction moratorium, their plan was to move in and never pay us rent. <laughs> and she put that in writing. She put that in writing. I could not believe it. So that's exactly actually the direction and then it ended up going. A couple hours later, I got a knock on our door from the police officers um, of our town 
they're standing across, they're standing across the way in front of this rental property because we own two properties across the street. So police come over and ask, and what was really interesting was when these two cops were looking at the situation, they actually got into their own debate on what should happen. Now, the police absolutely cannot force me to give them keys. That is not what the police are there to do. But the police did think it was really interesting saying like, well, but the applicants, they lied. So that's not fair to the landlords to now have to accept this. So I think those tenants should lose their first month's rent. <laughs> and it was just so interesting to see the two cops really debating the situations that we have to do, that we have to handle as landlords. But just like that one cop had alluded to, that was exactly the situation that we were in. The security deposit did go back to the tenants because that was something that is held for their dam for damage at move out. They never moved in. Their lease was terminated by breach of contract. So they got their security deposit back. But we explained to them that it's now the first of the month. That was now your non-refundable holding fee for the apartment. And now on the first, now that you broke that, it became your first month's rent. But we can't find somebody else to have moved in already that same day. I would have been perfectly happy if we had found another tenant then. Or if we found a tenant the next week, we would have been able to, to prorate whatever rent would have went back to her. But unfortunately, that was then another situation where a tenant was not necessarily upfront and not doing the right thing. And that we as landlords have to make sure that we take control of what our business looks like and know our laws, know our legalities, and are able to follow through on what we can and cannot do in situations like that. So I hope some of those lessons are helpful for you and gives you just kind of maybe a little bit of a laugh that I can completely empathize with some of the situations that I'm reading in Lady Landlords in our Facebook group every single day because these are still things that are happening for me. Now, since then, one of the things that I have really moved towards is making sure to systemize what these things look like. I am always improving my screening process. I am always improving my tenant-landlord relationships and communication processes. So if you are interested in learning how I am able to manage my properties all the way up in New York while I'm sitting here at the pool in Florida collecting my monthly rents, make sure to sign up and take our tenant management certification course. We are actually doing a live group coaching session starting April 5th. So it is your opportunity to get in and have that one-on-one -on -one time to talk about all the specific situations that you are going through and making sure that you get the expert advice you need. Thank you so much for joining me today for the Lady Landlords podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel to make sure to hear our next episode as we come out with new episodes every Tuesday. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, please do me a favor and leave a five-star review for the Lady Landlords podcast. This helps make sure to share a message with others that can use the similar information. Thank you very much for helping grow our community. Remember, there's a new episode every single Tuesday, and I'll see you back in the Lady Landlords Facebook group.